0: Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by uh, the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshry and PJ Zuko here. Getting you ready for championship weekend coming up. And so much news to dive into. PJ, yesterday I didn't let Cam let me look ahead yep. slash start talking about these new coaching hires because I wanted to give Rivalry Week its just dues for how awesome it was, and I wanted to kind of recap all of that. So before we dive into all of the news, because there's been a ton of it, what were some of your favorite moments from this past weekend? Because, I mean, we had Michigan just smacking Ohio State. You, I know it didn't go the way you wanted to, but just the perfect Big Ten weather game in East Lansing between Penn State and Michigan State, which it should be illegal for Penn State to wear their all-whites. <laughs> yeah. when it's snowing like that.
1: Wait, it didn't make it any easier for uh, the people watching at home. By well, no, case. your, op- your <laughs>
0: offense is atrocious, and I would think you want to do anything possible to help Sean Clifford see his wide receivers, but yeah. that's just me. Uh, well, but, yeah, what were some of your favorite moments from this past weekend?
1: Oh, man, there were a ton of them, because I, there are so many times you look back at college football, and I had a discussion about this with, with someone over the weekend, uh, great teams, great programs, historic programs. They are that way. They are so traditional, and they are loved or hated because of how good they are and because of how good they are consistently. You always want to see those upset wins because you're rooting for the underdog and whatnot, but there is something special and respectable about those teams that you're always looking to get upset, right? The Alabamas, even in in, in the Ohio States, the – even Oklahoma in in the yeah, bedlam, in Bedlam, yeah. you know, they they always win Bedlam, right? And, and even on those those years that maybe they're expected to lose, and Oklahoma State, quote unquote, has a better team, they somehow find a way to win. So it was so interesting to me and and cool, and I, it's hard to just choose one. There are so many instances where you look at those rivalries and look at those big games, and it's like. Well, I wish we could just have a weekend where this team won, this team won, this team won. Those teams won, man. Like Michigan went out. I I oh, I thought Dave, there was there was no Dave shot be and believe Ohio State. me. I want both teams to lose that rivalry every single year. I, I I do. But to see them go out there and win, I was like, "Holy crap. I didn't I I didn't think this was possible." I didn't, especially with the the teams this year, well, I mean, I didn't think it was possible. So they go out and win. And it's like, "Well, Oklahoma State might lose tonight, that just because that's how things work out. Oklahoma State <laughs> wins; they make it to the Big Twelve. They did their best. <laughs>
0: they did their best to not. They win did. That they game. did.
1: But like the Big Twelve championship game this year is is Baylor and Oklahoma State. That's insane. How happy right? do you wild. think
0: How happy do you think Bob Bowlsby is about that? The fact that Oklahoma and Texas, neither one of them made it. Yeah, and so he can just kind of double middle fingers. Right. Right. Both of, of those schools as yeah.
1: he as he should but i mean <laughs> right but no you're you're right about that i mean wake forest they didn't find a way to let clemson Bro, in, right wake, wake forest hit or are yeah. the acc championship it's, i love like looking yeah, down it's weird and you year. see the sec championship game and it's like it's georgia and alabama and believe me that's a game i've wanted to see all year so i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that for sure but then you look at all the rest of them and i'm like this is going to be a wild ride and i can't wait for it so but you had to have that weekend that kind of weekend to have that so it's hard to just choose one. I think even you, you look at one where that upset didn't happen, and that the Iron Bowl with, with Alabama and, and Auburn was insane and fun to watch as well. So uh, it, it, was, it was a wild ride, and I enjoyed every second of it for sure.
0: And again, it kind of sets us up for an awesome championship weekend, but more so than that, it set us up for what we have seen over the past 48 hours, which is just the Most prolific and significant coaching changes we've ever seen in this sport, period, end of story. Uh, I mean, Nick Saban coming back to Alabama from Miami doesn't hold a candle to what we're seeing right now in college football. You had USC go take Oklahoma's coach, uh, and then the news breaking last night that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame, which is one of those jobs that I've always thought is you, you don't leave that job. Ever, yeah. It's just its one of those, I've always figured it was a pinnacle one, but now kind of looking, reports coming out about what his salary was versus what it's going to be. Suffice to say, he's going to be making more than twice what he made every year at Notre Dame at LSU. Hard to say no to that. But Brian Kelly didn't just leave Notre Dame. He left Notre Dame when Notre Dame still has a chance to go to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Now, i I'd, I'd put it at 10% maybe a 10% chance that Notre Dame goes. They need Georgia right. to eliminate Alabama, and then they would need, I'd say, one other team to lose. Like, they need Oklahoma State to lose or something like that. They need Michigan to lose to Iowa, something like that. But, again, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite winning in Georgia and one upset away from going to the college football playoff. So they're one of, like, seven teams that can still get in. And Brian Kelly is just banking on the fact that, or maybe he's not. Maybe he just didn't care either way. But Brian Kelly is leaving his team when they still have a chance to go to a college football playoff and still have a chance to win a national championship. He said, eh, not a big enough chance. I'm taking my talents to Baton Rouge. And I, couple notes here that I wanted to put out there. Number one, this isn't the first time uh, Brian Kelly has done this. If you go back and look at his tenure, not an overly great dude. Uh, He wins a lot of regular season games, but just not an overly great dude. Uh, 0-4 all-time against Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Nick Saban, he is 0-2 against him in the uh, postseason, and Kirby Smart, he's 0-2 against him in the regular season. So kind of a good back and forth there. And then he's 0-5 in what I would call big postseason games. New Year's 6, BCS, college football playoff. He's Mm -hmm. 0-5. And so when I I look at this higher – yeah, it's it's a big hire, quote-unquote, because it's Brian Kelly, because you went and stole Notre Dame's coach. But I don't think this is a great hire for LSU. I think this is probably the third or fourth guy they wanted.
1: I can see that. Yeah, I, I
0: don't think he was number one when LSU went out there uh, and started this coaching search. Yeah. I think the guy they really wanted is currently residing in uh, California.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when I look at this, I'm thinking, you have a coach who – was making four to five million dollars a year now he's gonna be making about 10 at (laughs) lsu and he's been doing this for a long long time is he maybe just taking your money for the life of this contract and is he as passionate as you need to be to compete with nick saban and with what kirby smart has built at georgia is he passionate enough to bring in the top three recruiting classes, or I'd say top two recruiting classes now, that it takes to compete with those two teams, is he passionate enough to go head to head with those guys? Now it's going to go to a pod system where you're probably going to be in there with, I don't know what they're going to be in there with, Texas A and M and Oklahoma and Texas, maybe something like that, where Possibly, they're going to be yeah. in with those guys, or you're going to be in there with Alabama and have to still have to play Alabama every year, right? Are, are you, you think he's that fired up, or what's more realistic? LSU will be a really good team, and they'll go nine and three every year.
3: <sighs> I, I I will say I give him mad respect though for going, and the reason why I'm saying that I mean we saw Leak Riley go out west to USC when he could have took an SEC job or stay with Oklahoma and go to the well, SEC. He, he with did Oklahoma. Have an SEC job, yeah. Yeah, he did, and but I give Brian Kelly, I mean I just give him mad respect because it's like okay, you know Nick Saban he's beat up on me in the national championship and postseason. Kirby Smart's got me in a couple of close games in the regular season. Let me go get guys that they got now. Let me see if I can match up. The only thing Brian Kelly is missing from his resume is what? a national championship. He's uh, the all-time say, winning coach just at Notre Dame. a postseason Dame. win. Yeah, postseason win, but he's the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. He has the most wins. Let's put it like that. I wouldn't say winningest because he doesn't have a championship. But that's what he's missing. I think he could capture that at LSU. Every coach in the past, what? Decade or two decades, they've gotten a national championship at LSU. Ogeron, Les Miles, and then Nick Saban, he could be the fourth one. So I give him mad respect. It could go bad, but he's not scared. He's not running from what I call that SEC smoke. He's not scared. So I do respect that a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a a respectable decision in that, right? I think how I come at it is – this is when we really figure out how good of a coach he is. Like you said, he's won several big regular, se- well, uh, several regular season games. He's gone out and, and kind of built Cincinnati right Cincinnati there before mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame, built them up into uh, prominence in, in some ways. There was some good winning seasons there. And then of course, now the winningest coach there at, at, in Notre Dame history. But again, uh, I, I think the reason he takes this job is the potential. To get over, I don't think he's seen what Notre Dame right now, and I—I'm I, sure I'll have every Notre Dame fan I know blowing up my phone if they hear this. But but I think he's he's seen the potential that Notre Dame has right now, and it's—they don't really have the size, and that comes down to recruiting. But like when you get in those big postseason games, they're outplayed, and that they've been outmatched by georgia by alabama and whatnot i think you look and and you see lsu and see them being able to compete in some ways when it comes to that size and recruiting and things like that and like we talked about lsu being the 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 major school in that area in that state and you see the potential of that but now it's like you have all those resources now you have to go out and get it done and i I, don't is brian kelly the person i think who's going to go out and get it
0: done you, not necessarily I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to take shots at you guys here at all and I, I understand what you're saying where it's a it's a new challenge and it's one where you can win at the highest level Brian Kelly didn't leave Notre Dame for wins. Oh, he won it for money. Yeah, if you if, you wanted, if, it for money, if, he, if he wanted to go 11-1, and 12-0 every year, he could stay at Notre Dame, and he'll be in the college football playoff almost every year, and then all it takes is you get a good quarterback or somebody in there, you get a Joe Burrow, something like that, and you, you win two games and you win a national championship. I think, I think his most realistic spot to be in if he wanted to win a national championship is Notre Dame because you're going to be right there every year. Think about what LSU has to battle through every single year just for a shot to go to the college football playoff. Brian Kelly was making... Per USA Today, two point seven million dollars a year at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, With with incentives, with incentives and bonuses, he can make fifteen million dollars a year at LSU. Yeah. He did not leave because he's a competitor. He left because they dropped the Brinks truck on his head. Yeah. And like I said, Brian Kelly's not a great dude. Like, go go read about how he's treated some of his uh, former assistants when he was a head coach at Central Michigan and some other spots. Like, go go read about how he's treated people in the past. And this is not the first time he's left a program like this, in a lurch, right? So Brian Kelly's not a great dude. He's not just some competitor that's going to take over LSU because he, he wants to fight Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. He, dude can make $30 million in two years. He, he can literally make what he would make in, in a decade at Notre Dame. He can make that in two years. That's why he left Notre Dame. I, I, I don't think there's anything else to it. we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to catch up with McLean Baxley from the Athens Banner Herald. Uh, he's covering Georgia up there. and Talk about a heck of a first year for a guy covering a team, Georgia headed to the SEC Championship, undefeated, best team in the country, consensus number one. Also going to catch up with him, he covers the North Oconee Titans. They, of course, are coming down to take on Benedictine in the Class 4A GHSA semifinals in football. We'll dive into all that next right here on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. We will be live at Coach's Corner coming up this Thursday from 2 to 6 p.m. Second down followed by 3 and out as we get you ready for championship weekend. Coach's Corner in Savannah. Come hang out. Say hi be playing lots of fun games, giving away prizes, so come hang out with us at Coach's Corner. Joining us now on Second Down, though, uh, we got a couple of big games we need to catch up with him about from the Athens Banner Herald, formerly of the Savannah Morning News. McLean Baxley joining us here. McLean, it's been a long time, man. Good to talk to you.
4: It's good to see you. Good, or good to hear you. i rather talk to you. Like, I'm not seeing you. I was about to say, do you have a camera
0: somewhere in the studio that we don't know about? <laughs>
4: I'm always there. I'm always watching. Well,
0: we, we appreciate that, man. So uh, let's start uh, at the high school level, man. I know uh, your first year up there at the Athens Banner-Herald, and it's been a heck of a year uh, for North Oconee. First question, do we get a McLean-Baxley siding down in Savannah this weekend?
4: Um, not looking like it, no. We, we, uh, fortunately, we've got two teams in the see finals this week, so I'll be up at uh, Fellowship Christian where Prince Avenue is set to play. Um than the single A final, so uh, I'll be up there, but uh, I'll be there. I'll be in uh, Savannah and Spirit.
0: Uh, of course, of course. But again, uh, North Acony coming to town to take on Benedictine, and this is a couple teams that have already played this year, now meeting in the semifinals. But earlier in the year, uh, it was forty-eight to seventeen BC. But looking at it now, uh, since that game, North Acony's ripped off nine wins in a row. Tell us a little bit about the Titans, man, because I know you've been following them closely.
4: I mean, since that game, they had a bye week after that game, uh, the loss to then for their one and three to start the year. Like you said, they won nine straight, and you know, pretty convincingly, pretty convincingly, and in doing so, in a variety of ways, uh, they can run the ball really well. They've got several running backs, and uh, you know, quarterback Max Wilson also very good. Um, they can throw it when needed. You know, they got I guess you know Wilson and Khalil Barnes. He, uh, he's another junior. Wrote a story about him. Uh, the other day, but he he's got speed and just you know can can make something out of nothing, uh, whether it's in the run game or in the passing game. And their defense is really what they hang their hats on. I mean, they held you know Jefferson, who at the time was you know number one team in 4A, had weapons all across the board and held them to you know less than 10 points. So the fact that their defense has been able to do that you know week in week out, they had a shutout and uh, we in the second round of the playoffs against Spalding. Uh, Again, they won 37-0, so they're they're just consistent all across the board, and uh, definitely a very different team than we saw back in September.
0: Uh, From the recruiting perspective, anybody uh, Savannah fans should be keeping an eye on for North Oconee?
4: I mean, two of the guys that I've I've been looking at, you know, Khalil Barnes and uh, Dominic Elder. Dominic Elder, uh, they're both juniors. Uh, Elder is more of a running back, and Barnes is more of an athlete, you know, receiver, uh, DB, running back some. Um, they're, They're both guys, not a lot of, no real offers yet, but Two guys that have been on campuses several times this year, uh, some G5s and even you know Georgia Tech and uh, you know some other some other schools. Um, but they're, they're guys that you know through this off season and, and next year in the senior season will definitely continue to uh, take off recruiting wise. But uh, you know it's a lot of talent and a lot of uh, skill that's really gone unnoticed. I, I think as far as the coach through the day and there's zero offers uh, at North County. So uh, but, but they're still you know one of the top four teams in 4A. So. Um, you know, I expect a lot of offers to come this offseason, but uh, there's just a lot of talent on the field.
0: Yeah, kind of in contrast to what we see uh, from B.C., of course, holding Garner going to Auburn, the quarterback. Uh, Justin Thomas, who's really I think should be up there for player of the year in 4A, uh, he's going to play baseball at Georgia, but I'm sure he would have plenty of football offers if that wasn't the case. Uh, and then Saquon Bryan, uh, he's got an offer from Coastal Carolina. What's kind of the perspective uh, from up in Athens about this Benedictine team?
4: I mean, obviously, you know, we saw what happened. They won by 31 points, uh, you know, two or three months ago. Um, so, they, I mean, Benedictine, they've won several state championships in the past couple of years. They, they're used to playing deep into November or deep into the season. Um, so, uh, you know, with North Dakota, this is their first time in the Final Four. And obviously, they've been playing you know, only since 2004 uh, when the school opened. But um, there's, there's a history with Benedictine. There's a, you know, it, it's an expectation for BC to be playing uh, in the final four and in the state championships, and and really North County there there was no expectation. This team is kind of setting that expectation. I wrote a few weeks ago how this team uh, is kind of a uh, you know three or four year process and in and the, in the culmination of that uh, that's been building. So uh, they're definitely aware that you know BC is definitely the favorite. You know it's going to be a tough environment uh, d- d- down there in Savannah. But um, they've, they've been there you know three or four weeks ago. And They were there uh, or three or four weeks yeah, ago, and and you know, last week going down to Bainbridge, you know that five hour trip. They oh, yeah. left on Thursday uh stayed in Albany Thursday night. Um, so they have they've ex- they have experience recently going into a hostile environment very much away from home, not going to be a ton of uh, fans supporting them, I would assume. I um, mean, it's about four hours from here. Uh, so it's going to be a difficult environment, but I think they're, they're ready and uh, excited for the challenge.
0: Catching up with McLean Baxley from the Athens Banner. Harold McLean, correct me if I'm wrong, but David Pollock's on that staff, right, at least in a peripheral role?
4: He he works more in middle school. Um, you know, obviously, because of uh, you know, college game day and uh, ESPN requirements, he can't be there uh, on Fridays. They're usually traveling to wherever they I mean. He might be. There's a good. I, I actually, I I would assume that David Pollock will be in attendance in Savannah. You know, with with game day being in Atlanta on Saturday. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely involved in the in the middle school. So he's known, he knows all these guys. You know, I talked a few weeks ago. Uh, with, last time game day was here, I guess game was the Kentucky game. Uh, he was just talking about how he knows all these guys. They, they've, you know, he's coached them in middle school. We've seen them develop over the years, and, and you know, he's definitely, he's definitely, some sort of strong supporter. Both times has been to game day uh, on Friday. We talked to, the, we talked to the game day staff on Friday, and he uh, is wearing either a hat or a shirt, uh, North Carolina shirt, and uh, sometimes both. So he's very high on the uh, on, on his former uh, Titans.
0: All right, so flipping over now to that game you are mentioning in Atlanta, Alabama, Georgia. We don't know if it's going to be 1-2 or 1-3 just depending on uh, what the rankings say tonight, but just uh, a game that we've pretty much known was going to be there since the beginning of the season. I just don't know that we knew what it was going to look like when we got here, right? Because Georgia right now, almost a touchdown favorite, six-and-a-half-point favorites. This is the first time Alabama's been an underdog since they went to Athens back in, what, 2015 and smacked Georgia. So it's an interesting storyline coming into this game because usually Alabama's sitting where Georgia is, and Georgia's trying to knock them off. As, As we get ready for Saturday, what are some of the biggest things you're watching out for?
4: Obviously, I mean, Georgia's defense, um, you know, you can say they've been tested all year because they've played, you know, three or four uh, top ten, top top 15 teams that are now, you know, not ranked or, or lower ranked. You know, we, we think Kentucky or Arkansas that came in uh, either undefeated or looking super good, and then they were just shut down uh, by the Georgia defense. It's legit. I mean, I've seen them in person. I've seen them you know, on TV. Uh, you know, they, they are legit. And, you know, I've said all year that, you know, if, if Georgia can find a way to, you know, put, put together a couple of touchdowns. That's game over because no team can. No team has scored more than 17 points against them uh, through 12 games. they a lot, 83 total points, uh, which is just insane uh, when you think about it. And uh, or even if you don't think about it, it's still insane. So I mean, that's one thing I'm looking at. Is how is Bryce Young, who uh, you know, he's definitely the leader of the team. He's you know probably going to win the Heisman. Uh, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. How does he, who's coming off a game where they looked really bad for you know three and a half quarters? Uh, against Auburn, you know, how do they bounce back from that and try to work against, you know, one of the best defenses in, in recent uh, college football. So that's one thing I'm looking at. And then also just the mental aspect. You, you mentioned that, you know, Georgia hasn't beaten uh, Alabama in the last six tries, Kirby Smart's 0-3 against them. You know, this year, again, you're seeing a Georgia team that's on paper way better than Alabama. But will a mental thing come in where he starts, you know, out trying to outsmart Saban or trying to, you know, Think too much of it. It is Alabama. It's still Alabama. You know they have a lower ranking now, but um, well, that well that play a factor into it? because on paper, I mean, it should be a you know twenty five you know point victory for for uh, for Georgia. But we obviously know it's not going to be that way. It's still Alabama and until until Georgia beats Alabama. I don't know if you can one hundred percent say that yeah. they are the best team in the country.
0: McLean Baxley joining us here. McLean finally here, man. I know uh, it's had to be fun for you first year following this team and they're twelve and zero, best team in the country, but. Back in, in your Statesboro days, down in the 912, I know you covered a lot of guys that you're seeing and following up there in Athens. Now, how cool is it to see the guys uh, like Warren McClendon, Stetson Bennett, uh, Nolan Smith stepping up for Georgia, seeing those 912 guys play crucial roles?
4: It's awesome, I think it just speaks to the volume that uh, you know Kirby Smart had on uh, keeping guys in state. You know, obviously Nolan Smith technically is you know IMG, but he's you know from Savannah, and so, you know, keeping those top talented guys from Georgia in state. I wrote about it last week, how he has gotten more uh, in-state talent than anybody else combined pretty much. You know, uh, Georgia Tech isn't doing that. Obviously, you know, State and Southern aren't doing that. So the fact that he's able to uh, keep, you know, guys in South Georgia, North Georgia, in Metro Atlanta, Macon, keep all those guys uh, and, and in Georgia playing for their state team is, is huge. And so it is awesome to see uh, the amount of pride they have for their state, for their, you know, high schools and, and, uh, the community because they are part of it. And they grew up Georgia fans and now they're, you know, three games away from from giving the team their uh, second second national championship in, in program history. So it's pretty cool to see.
0: McLean Baxley, Athens banner Harold, kind enough to take some time with us here on Second Down. McLean, we appreciate it, man. I know this week has to be crazy busy for you, covering high school playoffs, signings, all of that, and then of course SEC championship on top of all of that. We appreciate you taking some time, man. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Again, McLean-Baxley, Athens-Banner-Herald. we got more to come here. I want to dive in some thoughts from the weekend. We saw a lot of different pieces of college football on display. Some amazing, some not so great. I want to get y'all's opinion on them when we come back. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Yeah, we will be at Coach's Corner this Thursday from two to six PM, getting you ready for championship week. And I have a couple things I wanted to discuss with you guys. We obviously were speaking about the Iron Bowl a little bit. We were talking about I mean PJ, you have just intrinsic knowledge of the new overtime rule. Maybe more so than anyone should ever know about ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen way too much of it, both that, successful and unsuccessful. With that high-scoring matchup between you guys and the Illini. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody really cared about it until it was in the Iron Bowl, I guess is the best way to put it. Like We had heard like people complaining about it. Obviously, Penn State and Illinois fans were complaining about it. We've heard some fans kind of peripherally complaining about it, but when it's the game that everyone's watching and you see Alabama – just having to play in a penalty shootout, I think that's when you got the attention of the entire country, saying, hey, "This kind of sucks. Like this kind of isn't good." Uh, my question to you guys is this: Number one, if you like it, then you can say that you like this. What would be the perfect overtime rule in y'all's mind? My minds. You have you have more than one mind between collective, you two. <laughs> yeah, collective so. mind. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. I. Yeah, and I I know people are going to hate this. Uh, I know you're going to hate this. Um, I think you had it and you changed it. I very much liked, I think there are little things that you could change from the original college football, well, not the original, right, but but the college football overtime rules that we had a few years ago. Um, I, I think there are little changes. Now, do you start at the 25? No, I think you move that back maybe a little bit. Uh, but I think the so that you're not in field goal range once you start, right? You're not in scoring range once you start. I think maybe you start at the 50. Maybe you start at the 40 or something like that and try and move your way up. Um, is that pure football at its finest? No, not necessarily. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think it, it avoids the risk of there being a, a three to three game and you go in overtime and just no one can still do anything in quarters of quarters after foot of more football. Um, So I think you had it and I think you ruined it. (laughs) Uh, So I'd probably move it back to about the the 40 or the 50 to start things off. And from there on, you match each other's score moving forward. Both teams get a shot just like, just like we, we have right now, but you aren't so restrictive with the two point conversions and and things like that. Uh, Because what what we've seen, I, I would agree with you, uh, to a certain extent, I think the problem with the Penn State Illinois thing is it started out, "Wow, this is terrible because the format's terrible," mm. and then the, it <laughs> turned into a meme, right? Because yeah. it was a meme, like it, it literally was. It was the worst display of college football I've ever seen, from from two football teams. So, uh, you know, you, you look at overtime three and four, and people are like, "Man, this really, this really kind of sucks." Yeah. And then you get to six and seven, and they're like, "No, these teams are just..." really bad but
0: <laughs> I think both things can be true at the same time
1: <laughs> for sure for sure but uh, yeah yeah I I think for mine you move back to the 40 or the 50 you still have to gain positive yards to get in a scoring position but you still have the back and forth of all right both teams getting an opportunity um, both teams not starting off at their own 20 or, an, or anything like that have to work their way in a scoring position have to earn their way into the end zone and both get a shot to to, de- to defend uh, the other team in the, in the right way
3: uh i hate the rule that they have now i hate the old rule i think they should just go what the nfl does play an extra quarter um at the end of the day these are simple well teenagers grown men man play an extra quarter and see who can score first um and in the game at that i don't i mean you could kick a field goal they kick a field goal you go going to another overtime just play an extra quarter duke it out if it ends in a tie at this point, it ends in a tie. You wasn't worthy enough to score anyway in overtime. But
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna take it one step further than that. This might make some people mad. I don't think there's anything wrong with a regular season tie. I think too often we force these narratives where it's Alabama and Auburn played a 60 minute football game, and after 60 minutes they were even, but because Alabama can run a two point conversion play better than Auburn can, which is literally point zero zero one percent of the game of football
1: it's like doing onside kicks right correct like,
0: like yeah. it, it's it's such a minuscule aspect of the game of football because Alabama can run a two-point conversion better I mean we, we saw two overtime periods where they played 25 yard line football and they were still even after that mm. right they both scored a touchdown and they both kicked a field goal right we saw that for two quarters and then just because Alabama's a little bit better at scoring two-point conversions they get the win and Auburn gets the loss <sighs> It's stupid. It's terrible. Like, I swear to you, there's if- there's no other words to to say. It's stupid. You played 60 minutes of the sport and they were even. What's wrong with the tie? And if you want to look at just the way it would affect the national narrative, is all of a sudden Alabama's not sitting there as 11 and one. Alabama's sitting there at 10 one and one, which can change a whole lot of things when you're talking about the college football playoffs. So mm-hmm. I. I don't see anything wrong with ties. Obviously, when you get to postseason and somebody has to win, then yeah. you go into overtime. Yeah. But just like with other sports, i.e. soccer or hockey, right? Ties are fine in the regular season. You go into extra periods when you need it, right? I think it's fine. It's just if you're going to do overtime, I agree with Cam, don't change the sport. Like yeah. I hate penalty kicks in soccer. I understand the the intensity of them, but I think they're stupid. You, you, you take something that is an iota of what the sport is, and you decide a game that was played. And soccer, for those of you who don't know, it's you play two 45-minute halves, and then a lot of times it's, it actually ends up being two 50-minute halves because you get the extra time in yeah. there. So you play 100 minutes, and then you play two more 15-minute – or is it 20 minutes? I think it's 15. Yeah, two more 15-minute yeah. yeah, uh, intervals, and then if it's still nobody scored, then – Then you go to the penalty shootouts, right? Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to do the two point conversions after you played 15 more minutes of football, fine. But I I think you just, you change the game too much, right? I think the biggest part of football is field position. It is a sport of hostile real estate acquisition. Yeah. That's what football is. But when you set the ball at 25, you have completely given that up.
1: Right. Uh, just so, don't go back. You got a
3: field So, this two point conversion mess, is this going to be in the playoffs? It, it oh, case, yeah. like, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's it's not just for the regular yeah, season. No, if, it, it, for the if,
0: if Georgia, Alabama go to overtime,
3: I swear to you, thing, I would lose it's a, my mind. It's a two point conversion I would lose album. my mind if they get to the third overtime where it's hinging on a two point conversion. I don't think that's fair to the players either, Yeah. per se. I mean, you've battled that hard to get to the third overtime where you've been balanced. But here's my question. This is what
0: I would ask the the decision makers in college football is the, the goal behind the two point conversions is less plays, right? Is we feel like the, the more plays that players have to go out there and execute the bigger chance they get hurt. Okay. If that's the case, then shouldn't you put a minimum amount of time has to run off the play clock before you're allowed to run another play. Right. Yeah. Because people are changing the sport to where some teams, I mean, Georgia maybe runs, what, 60 plays a game, right? But Tennessee is out here trying to run 100. Exactly. And so they're playing, and when you get down to a season, these guys are playing almost twice as many, quote unquote, games, if you're just talking about snaps, than Georgia is, right? So, I mean, if you're really that concerned about the sport and the players, is that what we're looking at? Is that the best way to do it? Right.
3: Stupid. You you've already been beating up each other for an hour. Now you're trying to condense well, that, that. That's what they say. Time.
0: Is is like you're exhausted, and then like injuries can go up because the players aren't able. But it's like both teams are running slower, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like both both teams got tired legs. Yeah. I it's, just I can't, I, avoid, I hate that. It. can't avoid that.
3: You can't avoid it. It's a part of the game, man. Yeah. It is.
1: And that's what makes me even more insanely frustrated is is the why, right? Uh, the the reason. Why did we make this change, right? As as college football, because of a couple Mar- games. Mar- well,
0: Mario tweets in and says, "Only field goals. You just play play yeah. horse. Play horse. Right? Why not? Like but, from but, the
1: third row. Yeah.
0: Off the right pylon, and in. You got to. But you have to call bank.
1: Even then, like i uh, be sick. It's still a part of the game for sure. It's a big part of the game. But but I mean, how many times have we seen games come down to an extra point, and mm-hmm. it's like you feel robbed of like, oh goodness, great. It's a part of the game for sure. But but getting yeah, back Florida to Florida, would getting, like
0: to have a word with Alabama.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Getting getting back to uh, the the point I was about to make is just the reason we saw this change is because of a game that we see once every three or four years. Yeah, LSU, LSU, Texas, and i crazy. Which was an and amazing football game. It was an amazing game. The overtimes were, were insane and amazing. And I don't think anyone was sitting there saying
0: this is stupid. I, hate I, this. I sat
1: here for too long. I shouldn't have needed to sat here for too long to to, to watch the amazing you know, dose of of college football that I just watched. And think about the last time we saw that before then. It was Michigan and Penn State, what, 2013, something like that? So it's it's four or five years before that. So, I mean, it's not like this happens every year and And all the time.
3: Imagine how amazing Auburn and Alabama would have been, like, if they played just – not even what we talk about, just the regular overtimes that they've normally done in the past couple of years. Yeah, I Imagine think it would, that. Yeah, it, I that would, think it have would have been an even better game. Auburn may have won the game.
0: How many people so. in the stands do you think actually knew what was happening? Not a lot.
1: I think there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of what? silence because of what? heartbreak. What? <laughs> and there was a lot of silence mm-hmm. because they were trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't. Th- I would say maybe 20% of the people inside Jordan here knew what was happening.
2: Yep.
3: That's, it's so, it makes the game so boring. I text my friend. I'm like, dude, this is not it. And he's an Alabama fan. No, and but just, like, like, I just I because, like, like literally
0: yeah. Alabama won that game because they had John Mechie. Yeah. And, like, you cannot cover him in a two yard space. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's, that's literally why they won the football game. I think, think about how different it would have been if. Alabama scores that touchdown with twenty seconds to go, and it's just a relief. It's like, all right, we're getting out of here with a tie. We didn't lose, right?
3: Yeah. Or you just play a, a NFL overtime. And whoever scores first, if Alabama scores first in yeah, that first round, I, I think drive, that's done. probably
0: fair. Is I think that's the best. I think that's one. probably fair. Is like we all know what would have happened in that case: is Auburn and TJ Finley were not going to do anything with the football, mm-hmm. and Alabama would have marched down the field and won that yeah. football. Game. Especially yep. with
1: how he—that's he, yeah. fair enough. Though how he was there at the end, or I mean, he was for the love of God, God. you give
0: Al- you give Auburn a chance. What happens if Bryce Young gets hit, throws a pick, and it gets returned for a touchdown? Like yeah. you give you give Auburn a chance, but nope, you got to cover John Metchie one on one from two yards out, or you lose. Uh,
3: NFL right. wide receiver one on yeah. one—that's just it's toasting. impossible
0: toasting your corner i i think it's stupid i hate it i hope i hope they change it real quick or like i said put it after two overtimes and it's not decided call the game i don't know something like that i, I don't think ties are bad i know ties are like inherently un-american
1: right well i mean not necessarily like you said we, we've seen it we've seen it in other other sports throughout the regular season
0: as yep. well i mean
1: we, however you want to say it we, Bro, play, so- and McNabb, we play soccer and we Donovan play and hockey here, so like-
0: and uh Somebody else like did this recently where they didn't know you could tie. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, well, you could tie in the NFL. It's like yeah. yeah,
1: dude. They didn't even know after that that yeah. first Freaking that first. Steelers, time Steelers and
3: Lions just tied.
1: Come on, yeah. let's not. I spent all Thanksgiving talking about that with my.
3: family. I had to bring it up today. <laughs> it makes me feel Wait, better as a Falcons fan.
0: got because I hold on. I, gotta, I got my shirt on. Let me. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want, okay? Listen, this shirt says mental health. Talk about it. We PJ, already talked PJ, about it too much. Steelers <laughs> got boat raced. Brent Pry, your defensive coordinator is leaving to take That's the, okay. To, I expected that, that. That's okay? Well, like I've expected He's the best coach on your team. Agreed, but yes,
1: agreed. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. We could go in depth about that, especially after that But okay, wait, wait, wait week. let me ask you, this, let me
0: ask you but, this. What would you have been happier about? What the current situation is or if James Franklin had left and Brent Pry was now the head coach at Penn State.
1: I'd be happier about that. I'd mm. I'd want him as my head coach. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's all about being in the not being a CEO and, and, and being in tune with what to do during games. I think
0: I think it'd be awesome at Virginia Tech. I think he is I like think a he's perfect be fit.
1: Yeah, I think you look at the past eight years. What what has been the, the starling part of this team every single year? It's been the defense. Yeah. And the uh, the one time you have the offense to, to be able to compete, you're in the Rose Bowl and, and you're. Uh, what what was that? The field winning the Fiesta Bowl. So I mean, um. Yeah, no, it's I expected I expected it to happen sooner. I expected this to happen a year or two ago. Yeah. So the fact that we've had them for you know as long as we have, I'm I'm thankful for. And it. I think but it's like I've
0: seen a lot of people tweeting about this. I know we gotta go to break. I've seen a lot of people yeah. tweeting about this, saying like, "Oh man, Penn State's only 26 in total defense. Look at where they are in defense, like average yards given up per play, mm-hmm. and they're top 10. They're tied with Texas A and M." For yards given up per play it's just the offense at Penn State is so ungodly bad that the defense just stays on the field
1: what's amazing is like it's not even that bad it's just the situational football like no, yeah, it's, it's yeah. bad dude okay
0: it's bad it's like it's like mid-2000s LSU offense bad we're yeah, like, yeah, I, we know you bad. got we know I, you got some NFL <laughs> wide receivers and we know <laughs> that you bad. have some <laughs> offensive linemen that are pretty good and you probably have a good couple running back recruits, but the quarterback position is so bad that everything else falls apart in the play and the play calling. Yeah, the, the play, play call calling is, is so <clears throat> simple and not in a good way. Just yeah. predictable, I guess is a better way to yeah. say it, is it's just so predictable that it's almost unwatchable.
1: Right. Predictable until, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, until um, they
0: do something that you're like, I couldn't even comprehend that. If you told me the worst thing to think of, I couldn't think of doing that. I, only, only Maybe the only worst play calling this year has been Virginia when they did a, th- a throwback pass to an offensive lineman against Virginia Tech on third down in a crucial situation.
1: Especially in the Illinois game. But uh, I, I think situationally, again, and this goes back to the, that the head coach and the offensive coordinator, I mean, situationally, again, you look at two drives in the beginning where you throw the football against the, the worst pass defense in the nation, yep. and it, it was incredible. And then what do you do in the second half? You throw ten passes. Well, and, listen and score. You got ten more no years.
0: Points, you got ten you more know? years of so, James Franklin to figure it it's out. Situational. If they if they if he finishes out the end of his contract, I'll be forty. Is all you need to know. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on Second Down. I don't. Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Again, as a reminder, we will be at Coach's Corner coming up this Thursday from 2 to 6 p.m. to get you ready for championship weekend. Come hang out with myself. And the guys from 3-and-out as we'll be broadcasting live from coaches. Big show coming up today. Speaking of 3-and-out, they'll catch up with Tate Casey, two-time national champion with the Florida Gators. Also catch up with DJ Shockley. He knows a little thing or two about throwing touchdowns in the SEC championship. So we'll catch up with Shock coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Also Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com going to swing by. So, so much to dive into on 3-and-out. But, guys, Again, is it hyperbole to say that this is going to be or has already been, I don't know, it's not even the offseason yet, but the biggest offseason or the biggest season of change in the history of college football?
3: Yes. Players and coaches. Nice. I do believe
1: that. Huge. Everything. Even playoff restructuring, possibly. We'll see. But, I, I mean, yeah. It's huge. Enormous. I mean, the, the amount of change we could see is ridiculous.
0: I'm trying to think. And, obviously, there's, like, people can do the stuff where it's, like, well, I mean, I think the biggest offseason ever, probably the offseason, they form college football. Like, you can okay. do. All right. In modern college football, the biggest offseason, biggest season of change have ever seen. Now, I think, like, the number two would easily be last, this past summer. Yeah. Right? With the NIL stuff, with mm-hmm. the transfer portal, with the free transfer and all that. I think, like, it really... This past summer, but I think this is going to, just because of the news and now that we're seeing this really take shape, maybe it's the the chicken-the-egg thing where it's one birthed the other, so the one that birthed it is the bigger deal. But I just think the calamity and the fact that you have schools that are hiring coaches like this right now and it's like second-tier news just based on some of this other stuff is unbelievable. So obviously we're going to have plenty to talk about the rest of the week. We'll dive into the SEC Championship. Some more coming up tomorrow.